Chapter 9 of The Men on the Other Side. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Men on the Other Side by Ada Barnett. Chapter 9 The clouds of a thunderstorm were looming slowly up as Ruth moddered home, and soon after she got back, a sudden deluge swept over Throat. In ten minutes the garden paths were running with water, unable to get into the sun-baked ground, and every hand on the farm was busy getting young things into shelter. "'I said we should have rain soon,' announced Miss McCox after the triumphant manner of weather prophets, as she brought in Bertram Aurelius, busy trying to catch the falling silver flood with both hands." He has never seen rain before to remember think of it said ruth and he isn't a bit frightened where are the other children a little wet more or less will do them no harm replied miss mccox they're more in the river than out of it i'm thinking bringing in mess and what not she handed bertram aurelius protesting for once vigorously through the kitchen window to his mother it's the young chicken up in the top field i'm after she added ruth laughed as she picked up selina's shivering little body which was cowering round her feet and ran for the river she liked the rush of the rain against her face the eager thirst of the earth as it drank after the long drought the scent of the wet grass it was all very good and if it only lasted long enough it would make just all the difference in the world to the hay-crop. The thunder was muttering along the hilltops while she rescued the children from the shelter of a big tree, helped Miss McCox with the young chicken, and hurriedly stacked some carnations, which should have been done days ago. Then she fled for the house, barely in time to escape the full fury of the storm. The carnations could have been left, said Miss McCox as she met her in the front door. There is no sense in getting your feet soaked at your age. I have a hot bath turned on for you, and if you don't go at once, it will be cold. Bathed, dressed, and glowing with content of mind and body, Ruth watched the end of the storm from the parlor window. The big clouds were drifting heavily, muttering as they went, down towards the east. The rain still fell, but softly now each silver streak shining separately in the braze of sunlight from the west, and presently, as Ruth watched, a great rainbow, perfect and complete, arched in jeweled glory the sullen blackness of the retreating storm. After her dinner, she took the packet Roger North had given her, and sat holding it between her hands in the big armchair by the window. The beautiful, gracious old room was filling with the evening shadows but here the light was still clear and full the sunset lingered although already the evening star was shining brightly ruth sat there as did carey must often have sat after his day's work looking across his pleasant fields dreaming dreams thinking long thoughts loving the beauty of it all here he must have thought and planned for the good and welfare of the farm the crops and flowers and fruit, the birds and beasts, and in those last days of the children who should come, 
calling him father to own the farm one day and love it as he had loved it massfield's beautiful lines passed through ruth's mind if there be any life beyond the grave it must be near the men and things we love some power of quick suggestion how to save touching the living soul as from above she sat very still the lamp symbol of the life eternal gleamed more brightly as the shadows deepened the glow in the west died away and the great stars shone with kindly eyes just as it must have shone on the carry sitting there dreaming too loving the beauty of it all and presently ruth became conscious of other things curious and poignantly there grew around her out of the very heart of the stillness the sense of a great movement of men and things the clash of warring instincts an atmosphere of fierce passions of hatred and terror of tense anxiety like an overstrained rod that must surely break and yet holds a terrible tension of waiting for something something that was coming coming something that fell she knew where she was now for through all the drenched sweetness of the fields and gardens sickening suffocating deadly came the smell of the great battlefields of the world all of it was there the sweat of men the sore atmosphere of bivouac and dug out rotten sacking and wood the fumes of explosives the clinging horror of gas the smell of the unattended death it was all there in the hideous hole shuddering clutching the letters tightly with clenched hands in her lap ruth was back there again again she was an atom in some awful scheme again she knew the dread approach the weight great roaring echoes rolled up and filled all space sound crashed and shattered rent and destroyed and then through it all ruth felt held it as it were between the hands of her heart something so wonderful it took her breath away and she knew it for what it was through all the turmoil the horror and the evil the strong determined purpose of a man for a certain end it grew and grew in wonder and in glory until her heart could no longer hold it could no longer bear it for it became the strong determined purpose of many men for a certain end it joined and unfied into a current of living light and fire and sang as it flowed sang so that the sounds of horror passed and fled and the melody of its flowing filled all space the sound of the great song of the return she was no longer a lonely atom in a scheme she could not understand no longer a stranger and a pilgrim in a weary land but part of an amazing a stupendous whole working in unison making for an end glorious beyond conception limits of time and space were wiped out but when the strange and wonderful happening had passed over never then or at any later time had she any doubt as to the reality of the experience 
she knew and understood though with the apostle of old she could have said whether in the body or out of the body i cannot tell but suddenly the body claimed her again and ruth seer did what was a very unusual thing to her she put her face between her hands and cried and cried till they were wet with tears her whole being shaken as by the passing of a great wind when some time later she opened the packet she found a few pages of diary much what she had somehow expected just the short notes of a man pressed for every minute of his time because every minute not given to definite duty was spent with or for his men his love and care for them were in every line of those hasty scraps of writing kept principally it seemed to ruth so that nothing for each one might be forgotten it was that personal touch that struck her most forcibly not one of his men had a private trouble but he knew it and took steps to help not one was missing but he headed the search party if bar duties did not prevent not one died without him if it were in any way possible for him to be there that lean brown hand which she knew had seen what a sure thing it had been to hold from the little hastily scribbled scraps it could be pierced together that wonderful life which he and many another had led in the midst of hell the light was fading when she took the letter out of his thin unstamped envelope but the carrie's writing was very clear each word somewhat unusually far apart dear old roger it ran we have been badly knocked about and are here to refit seven of our officers killed and four wounded three hundred forty eight out of seven hundred and twenty six men killed and wounded some horribly maimed my poor fellows this is butchery not war the colonel was wounded early in the day and i was in command kelsey is gone and marriott and little kennedy all those you knew writing to mothers and wives is hard work you might go and see mrs kelsey she would like it i have not a scratch and am well but the damnable horror of this war is past belief i have told v as little as possible and nothing of the following poor Vonchkat was brought into our lines strangely enough last evening terribly mutilated they had to amputate both legs and right arm at the clearing station i managed to get down after things were over to see him but he was still unconscious we are in a ruined chateau on the right of forest there is a lake in which we can bathe a godsend just midnight and while i write a nightingale is singing it goes on though the roar of the guns is echoing through the forest like a great sight and even the crash of an occasional shell does not disturb it i suppose born and bred to it my god what wouldn't i give to wake up and hear the nightingale singing to the river at throat and find this was only an evil dream twentieth vonchkat is gone i was with him at the end but it was terrible 
I could not leave him, and yet perhaps it would have been better. He seemed mad and with hatred. Poor fellow! One can hardly wonder. It was not only himself so mutilated, but he seemed convinced, certain, that they were beaten. He cursed England and the English, me and mine and throat, even V. It was indescribably horrible. The evil of this war incarnates, as it were. The letter broke off and ended with the scrolled initials. Yours, R.C. And an indecipherable postscript. Don't tell V. Had he been called away hurriedly by the falling shell which had buried his men? The envelope was addressed in another writing. She felt it must have been so. Very swiftly he had followed the man who had died cursing him and his, into the world where thought and emotion, unclogged by this physical matter, are so much more powerful and uncontrolled. Had they met, these two strong spirits, moving on different lines of force, working for different ends? What had been let loose when Karl von Schkatt had died in that British clearing station, cursing, quote, England and the English, me and mine and throat, even V, unquote. The great emotional forces, so much greater than the physical body which imprisons them, what power was there when freed? This hatred in a man of great and cultivated intellect, whose aim had been no mean and contemptible thing, whose aim had been power. What was that force on the other side of death? How much could it accomplish if, with added knowledge, it so willed? Ruth shivered in the warm June night. A sense of danger to the farm stole over her. A warning of something sinister, impending, brooding, as the great thundercloud had loomed up before it burst. She stepped out over the low window ledge onto the terrace, looked across the sleeping beauty before her. Still, she held the papers in her hand. A glimmering moon was rising behind the trees. A little faint wind whispered among the leaves. They made black patterns on the silvered grass, as it moved them very gently. The wind fell, and with it, a great stillness. And out of the stillness came to Ruth's ear a word. She went back into the sitting room, dark now, except for the light of the little lamp, and knelt before it and prayed. And her prayer was just all the love and the pity she could gather into her heart for the strong spirit that had gone out black and bitter and tortured and filled with hate the spirit that had been karl von schkad end of chapter nine recording by anna nomoska